things out a little different. I'm actually going to ignore the first four verses of, the cha- of chapter 1, not because they're not important. Actually, we're going to get back to them next week. But we've got so much ground to cover today that I'm just going to let that lay fallow and we'll, we'll, we'll address it later. But think of Luke as an investigative reporter. Because the Gospel of Luke starts out with the Christmas story. That's where it starts out. How did God send His Son to earth? And by the way, that's a great reminder. A great reminder that the Gospel is not just theological tenets or moral principles. It really is about a relationship with God. A God that came and put on flesh and dwelt among us. The question of the gospel is, how are you responding to that son that God sent? But the Christmas story took place in a place and a time. And what did that look like? What were the circumstances? Who were the players? What was the timing? And how does that speak to our circumstances today? And what does God want to say to me through this story? Because, you know, this story is very familiar to us. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the angels, and Jesus, the baby himself. And we're, we've sung about that, and we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. But in truth, the story in Luke actually starts with another miracle baby. And while he's not the savior of the world, God is going to use him greatly. Jesus doesn't show up just in a vacuum. God is preparing the way. And God uses this first miracle baby to say, hey, pay attention. I'm doing something here. I'm involving myself in history, in human history, and for all of eternity. So before we go ahead and get into God's Word today, I just want to pray for us, and then we'll get into Luke, starting at verse 5. So it is an amazing thing, Lord, to think that you came down, Lord Jesus, you put on flesh, dwelt among us, you lived this life, and then you, you gave your life for us, and then you rose from the dead to give us life in yourself. But as we look at this story, would you help us to see your graciousness? How you met us, how you met people along the way who you used to expand your graciousness to a world that so desperately needed it. We are lost without you, and we need you. So open the eyes of our heart to your word today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Luke 1, verses 5 through 10. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, 
he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. You see, this was a time of unmet expectations. The Jews were back in their land, but they were ruled by the Roman Empire through a puppet king named Herod, an Edomite. And for 400 years, God had not spoken. Last speaking was from the prophet Malachi. There had been some supernatural things that happened along the way. Hanukkah had taken place. God somehow kept the lights going in the temple in 150, uh, 165 B.C., but the time of the Maccabees had passed. And where were God's promises to rescue His people? Where were His promises to set up His kingdom? Where was His promise to bring the Messiah? It's a time of disappointment for a people. It's also a time of disappointment for a couple. We meet them. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both of the priestly lineage. Both descendants of Aaron. In fact, Elizabeth is a, is a Hellenization of the word Elisheba, which was Aaron's wife. And by the way, the word Elizabeth means God is my oath. But both of them were upright before the Lord. They were very serious about keeping God's commandments. Not sinless, if you will. But they were faithful. But here's the problem. They have no child. They have no male child. And having a male child is everything. To pass on your name, to have a heritage in the kingdom of God. And in fact... It was promised in the law in Deuteronomy 28.4 that if you were godly, you would experience the blessing of the womb. So where was this blessing of God keeping his oath? Because Elizabeth says, God is my oath. Disappointment for a people. Disappointment for a couple. Have any of you been here, here been disappointed? What do we do when disappointment takes place? When a desire is not realized? When you're single and you want to be married? Or you're married and you have no children? Or you have a miscarriage? Or where your career is not going in the direction you hoped? Or the children that you have are not going in the direction that you hoped. Your health is limiting you, or maybe the opposite of your prayers are taking place. What do we do with God's promises in His Word to answer prayer, to hear us? Where He says, indeed, that He is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And we feel like we're just in trouble right now. And we can say, forget you, God, Or we can faithfully cling to Him who sees the beginning 
to the end. Who sees the beginning to the end. And know that God specializes in taking disappointment and infusing it with joy and hope that we could have never thought of. See, so often we see life only in what we see right now rather than knowing that God sees the beginning from the end and He is the one who is writing our story. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth, well, they respond the best they can in faithfulness, continuing to hope in God that at least God will fulfill His promise to redeem His people. But then we read, here's what happens, that Zechariah is he's a priest and drawn by Lot. It's his turn to go and burn incense in the temple. And by the way, not every priest got to do that. In fact, you only got to do it once in your lifetime. There were more, there were more priests than there were opportunities to do so. So this was a huge privilege. But what happens next, they're really not ready for. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will never, he is never to take wine or fermented drink, and will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the, pe- many of the, of the people of Israel will turn back to the Lord their God. And he And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the the disobedient to the wisdom of of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is more than Zechariah and Elizabeth could have ever hoped or dreamed. And you know, it seems like the angel just kind of backs up the truck and says, look, this is what's going to happen. This son you're going to have, he's going to be a joy and delight. Many are going to rejoice at his birth. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to drink wine or fermented drink, but he's going to be full of the Holy Spirit from birth. Probably took a Nazarite vow, um, but there was no doubt which spirit was in control of him. And he will bring back many in Israel to the Lord. He's going to go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. A hero of the faith. Returning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient wisdom of the righteous. And by the way, he's quoting the last words of Malachi. The last words of God. Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6. To make people ready for the Lord. Your prayers are answered. Which one? The prayer for the people? The prayer for a son? Really both. Both. God oftentimes is in the business of using His blessings that He gives to us to bless others. It's not just for ourselves. It's to bless others. 
Now, I don't know about you, that would be, be a pretty awesome experience. Have an angel come to you and speak to you and tell you that your greatest desire is going to be filled. But Zechariah's response is really underwhelming. Look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, this is how I picture it, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife, well, she's well along in years. She's no spring chicken. That's in the Greek, sure. You know, I kind of look at this and I'm thinking, this is one of those, my, one of those moments when you kind of want to speak back to the Bible. You know, you go, come on, dude. You're a priest. You know the Word of God. You know God's track record here. You know how God provided for Manoah and his wife, Samson. You know how God provided Samuel for Hannah and Elkanah. And you know how the child of promise was Isaac to a 100-year-old Abraham and a 90-year-old Sarah. Come on. You know the story. You know what God can do. Unfortunately, Zechariah is consumed with what he can see. The childbearing years of himself and his wife. He says, how can I be sure? He wants a sign. And you almost hear the irritation in, in the angel's voice. Look at verse 19. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now, you will be silent. And not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. <laughs> Gabriel confronts Zach's unbelief. You want a sign? <laughs> I'll give you a sign. Silence. You won't be able to say anything until all this takes place. You see, there's a difference between being faithful and full of faith. A difference between being faithful and full of faith. Zechariah was faithful to do what he could see, what was written down, what he could control, what he could understand, but being full of faith is responding in obedience to what God has called you to do and trusting Him for the outcome even though you don't see how it's all going to work out. It's not dependent upon me. What might God be calling you to do that is dependent upon Him? That you can't figure out, you're not sure how it's going to work out, but He's calling you to do something, to trust Him whether it's an area of serving, perhaps it's giving, perhaps it's sharing Christ with somebody. Perhaps during this Christmas time, it might be having a conversation with a, a loved one you're estranged with that you might be reconciled to that person. It might just be that there's something out there that you want to make happen and God is saying, no, wait on me. Wait on me. Don't try and make it your, happen yourself. Know that I'm behind this and know that I'm at work here. 
It may involve just letting go of your rights, but what is God calling you to do that depends on Him for the outcome? And that's honestly the Christian life, isn't it? (laughs) That's the Christian life. For by grace, through faith, you've been saved. And that, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. I'm trusting in what God has done in Jesus. That's the Christian life. And then he's involved in your life. Hebrews 11:5 or 6, I should say. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Very said, said very simply in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Who are you depending upon? The God who calls you or what you understand and what you can figure out? Well, let's get back to our story because this doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a whole crowd outside waiting to see what happens. Verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. What would happen at the end of this service if I couldn't speak for the next nine months? Not that this church is dependent upon me, but I'm just saying, you're going, something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened, and I need to pay attention. Strange things are afoot. Our story continues on, verse 23. When the time of his service was completed, he returned home after after this. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace. (laughs) Time of service is done. He goes home. He still can't speak. He can't even hear, really. He's just kind of signing around. Probably the best thing that he does is he goes home and he has relations with his wife. And they conceive. And her response is quite different than that of her husband. Not questioning is she young enough to have a baby. Rather, she revels in what God has done for her. So much so, she takes herself into seclusion for five months. And when she comes out, it's quite evident something is going on. Something different. God is at work. God is doing something very special. God had looked on her with favor to remove the disgrace that she had before the people. And that was certainly true, at least in that culture, in that age. She doesn't know all that Zechariah knows, but she knows that God is in this. And so when her young cousin shows up, young cousin who is pregnant in her sixth month, I should say Elizabeth is six months pregnant, pregnant with her own miracle baby. She's able to encourage Mary like no one else is able to. We're going to skip on over to verse 41 and 45. 
Let's read that together. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit is at work here, but somehow, maybe through the umbilical cord, you know, she hears Mary's greeting and John the Baptist in her womb hears that greeting and leaps for joy, full of the Holy Spirit from birth. And she is one of the few people that actually can believe that Mary's baby was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not an illicit relationship. But when you see God at work, when you see God at work, you're able to turn around and encourage them and help others to believe. You know, Paul mentioned earlier our, our Thanksgiving service. And I love that service because it is a, a great time of celebration about what God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I always walked away, walk away more encouraged that God is at work in our midst, in our lives, always. I love coming to the graduations for Minnesota Teen Challenge. Because I get to see how God is at work in the lives of men. And pretty soon, we're going to have graduations here for women. And we'll see that. But I'm always encouraged, always excited about what God has done. Taking men who were completely dead in completely destructive places, and he redeems them and changes them and puts them on a completely new path. If you had an answer to prayer... You're in a place to encourage somebody and share that. So tell somebody. But Mary leaves eventually and the baby is born. So here's where we're going to pick it up in verse 57. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And they shared her joy. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Again, this is a party. This is a party because this miracle baby has been born. The neighbors, the relatives gather together. They rejoice at God's great mercy. And by the way, that's the way it should be. We should rejoice when good things happen to our brothers and sisters. That's what, that's what Romans twelve fifteen talks about. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But so much so, they're excited about this. It's like, all right, Zachariah finally has a namesake. And so we're going to name him just after daddy. But here's where the curveball comes, right? Elizabeth says, no, no. We're going to call him John. 
which, which, which means Yahweh is gracious. And that might be true, but, but why? There's nobody in your family named that. Again, remember, you're trying to preserve the family line. You're trying to preserve the family name. But God has different plans and a greater preservation that he's trying to bring about. And his, the name John means something. It means that God is gracious, that Yahweh is gracious. And he's not only being gracious to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but to his people, to this world. So they go to Zechariah and they find out what he wants. Verse 62. They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak praising God. The neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the whole region of Judea, the people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then will this child, what, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Amazing things are happening here. <laughs> the moment that he writes, His name is John, all of a sudden, after nine months of not being able to talk, not being able to hear, it's like he can't shut up. He's just speaking. It's like the dam had broke. His neighbors are filled with awe and wonder. They want to spread the news, and they want to, they want to keep an eye on this boy because they know that God's hand is in it. They don't know what God is doing, but they know God's hand is in it. They're gonna, and it says, actually, this says, you know, what could this child be? Literally, they said they it laid up these things in their hearts. They're going to keep their eyes on him. But Zechariah fills in the blanks here. And this is what he says, starting at verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of the all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, well, I, I got to stop there. Sorry, got too excited here. Notice how Zechariah's faith goes from doubtful to full of faith. And what God is doing, affirming what he's already done. It's true. It happened, just like the angel told me. And appreciate that all that God will call John to do. And recall all that God has promised to do. To David. To David, who he promised would never fail to have someone on his throne. He would reign on David's throne forever. As God has promised. Not John, but the Lord he goes ahead of. And to the Hebrew fathers to rescue them from their enemies and have mercy and remember God's covenant. And to Abraham, 
whose descendants were to be as numerous as the stars on the seashore, and that he would bless all nations, as in Genesis 22, 16 through 18. And a promise of safety to serve the living God and to do so in holiness and righteousness. And this comes out of Jeremiah thirty-three sixteen that says, In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will, be, will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord, the Lord is our righteousness. An old covenant promise that will be filled in the new covenant that the Lord is our righteousness. And then, continuing on to John's call, verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of our God by which the rising sun will come from heaven. He'll be a prophet of the Most High, God. Listed 51 times for Yahweh's name in the Old Testament. And he's go before the Lord to prepare a way for him. And when we get to Luke chapter 3, we're going to see the fulfillment of Isaiah 43, which says, prepare the way of the Lord. Those words coming out of this baby's mouth when he grows up. And to give the people a knowledge of salvation. Not a salvation from the Romans. Not a military salvation, but rather a salvation of the soul and the heart. That the people might be forgiven of their sins. John the Baptist, when he, when he grows up, he's calling the people to repent that they might be forgiven of their sins. And again, he is a prophet to reveal the heart of God. Because of the ten, verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising of the sun will come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the paths of righteousness. Really a combination of what Isaiah 9-2 says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of dark, deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then Malachi 4-2, which says, The Son of Righteousness that rises with healing in His wings. It's the third verse of, of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. To shine a light, the light of God's salvation, to rescue us from our sin, to rescue us from our darkness, and to give us light, to bring healing to the soul healing in his wings. This baby will be the forerunner of the Messiah. He will come forth and say, prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to break the fallow ground so that people's hearts might be ready to receive Messiah, to respond to him, to say yes, 
put their faith in Him. And all this because God, or Yahweh, is gracious. He was gracious to a childless couple. He's being gracious to a people waiting for redemption. And ultimately, He's gracious to the whole world. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Some words we'll hear a a little bit later. But it's all because a couple that were struggling with disappointment were still willing to trust God with that disappointment. They decided to cling to Him, to trust Him. Indeed, it's in our disappointment God is able to set the table for a greater joy. Say, I want to show up in your life. I want to show you that I'm still involved. So I want to ask you today, as we conclude this this episode of God's Christmas story, because there's more. What disappointment, what trial, what challenge in your life are you willing to trust God with? Other than trying to make things happen yourself, that doesn't mean you might not apply some effort, but, but rather than trusting yourself and your own means, to trust Him, to do it His way. And trust that He is still writing His story in you and wants to show up. That's some good news in this Christmas story, isn't it? Let me pray, and then I'll have the worship team come up and close us. Lord, you are still at work doing your work in us and among us. So you teach us the lesson that you taught Zechariah and Elizabeth to trust you with our wonderings, our disappointments, our trials, our challenges, to act in obedience and faithfulness toward you and knowing that you'll meet us there with yourself. And oftentimes we don't know what that looks like. Certainly Zachariah and Elizabeth couldn't have imagined it. But you were in it. And you're the same God today as you were then, as you will be in the future. So help us, Lord, to walk in faith before you. To believe that you exist and that you reward those who earnestly seek you. And Lord, to be used of you in this Christmas season where there's a world that is full of disappointment, full of shattered lives and shattered dreams. And they're looking for life. And that life only comes in you. So would you give us the grace to extend your life-giving message of Jesus to a world around us that so desperately needs it. And Lord Jesus, our Messiah, our Christmas baby, our Lord who has risen from the dead, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen.